Hello and welcome to another episode of The Messed Up Gardener. My name is S. Jake and I'm your host for today and I'm absolutely buzzed to be here. I apologise in advance. I've got a little bit of hay fever. I'm going to do my best not to sniffle in the mic. I can't promise anything, but I'm just going to dive straight in. The weather this week has been incredible. I even managed to have a day off where I just got to soak in my bees and the sun was amazing. And I get to start the process of wintering down. I have 10 days of annual leave coming in April, which is when I will be fully wintering down and doing the final varroa treatments and starting to clean and stack my bee gear ready for spring. I'm so excited. It's one of my favorite times of year because I really get to see where I'm at and and get an idea of maintenance planning and what I need to get ready for spring, etc. for my bees. And on the business side of my business, one of my clients is also currently busy wintering down around 500 hives. I can't imagine what a mission that would be considering I only have around 50 to 60 hives and they keep me more than busy enough. And over the last two years, with my help as his business development coach, he has grown his business where he's left his actual day job to now being full-time in his beekeeping work and is now bringing in multiple six figures. So reach out if you are in need of a business development coach to scale your business. Now enough with the bee talk, let's dive into today's episode. Here in New Zealand, we're starting to see the leaves changing colour and the temperatures are starting to drop. This doesn't mean we slack off in the garden. On the contrary, we actually ramp it up. So I'm going to introduce today's topic. I'm going to get really deep into it. I want to do uh, have a chat about the ultimate autumn gardening checklist and the 10 key chores you can't skip. So the first area I'm going to focus on is the cleaning up of the garden beds and remove any dead plants or debris and the reasons for this. So by removing dead plants and the debris, it can help prevent the spread of diseases and pests that can harm your living plants. So overall, you're actively improving the plant health of the surrounding vegetation and the healthier the plants, the greater their ability to fight pests and diseases. A clean, well-maintained garden bed looks more attractive and can enhance the overall appearance of your outdoor space. A clear space also means you can identify any potential hazards or areas of disease that may be cropping up. Now remember, I've mentioned this in the past, your garden space do actually talk to you. So it really does pay to pay it really does pay to pay attention to what it's telling you. And clearing out old plants and debris creates more space for new growth and that provides better air circulation and sunlight exposure for your living plants. This is especially important during the wet season as plants without enough air circulation can potentially rot and not handle the colder weather. Dead plants and debris can provide a breeding ground for weeds, so removing them can help prevent weed growth in your garden as well. The weeds also potentially harbour unwanted bugs, so by keeping the weeds at bay, even throughout winter, will leapfrog you ready for spring planting. Now, clearing out your garden beds in autumn or winter can help prepare the soil for planting in spring and ensure that your garden bed is ready for new growth. This is simply just good garden husbandry. Number two, 
prepare soil for next season by adding compost or other organic matter. And the reasons for this are basically preparing the soil can help improve its structure, texture, the nutrient content, and can lead to healthier plants and better crop yields. When the soils are well managed and nice and friable, it often leads to better root systems in the plants being planted and obviously resulting in more abundant crops. By adding organic matter to the soil, you can help reduce soil erosion and improve water retention, which can be especially important in areas with heavy rainfall or frequent droughts. By maintaining a good balance of organic matter, you are maintaining a better structure, soil that allows for water to flow through. So erosion happens faster when there's nowhere for it to drain to and instead it washes away. This is more common in clay soils and again due to the lack of air pockets. So keeping up that structure in your soil is so important. Preparing the soil can help reduce the risk of pests and diseases by removing any plant debris or other materials that may harbour harmful organisms. This includes turning the soil over. This is so beneficial to you, the gardener, as it allows you to see what's actually happening in the soil. For example, if you see bugs like the grass scrub in high numbers, then you can start a management plan to eradicate them. The earlier you spot them, the better because they can chew out a lawn in no time. Preparing the soil can also help reduce the weed growth by loosening the soil, removing any existing weeds or weed seeds. Now, this is especially useful if you are getting rid of tap-rooted weeds like your docks, dandelions, or even your plantains. If you're not a fan of them in your garden, that is, I use them for plantain, for example, is really great for uh, stopping mozzies from attacking your skin. So there are lots of beneficial reasons to keep them in your garden rather than getting rid of them but each to their own. By preparing the soil you can help to ensure that your plants have the best possible growing conditions which can lead to increased productivity and better crop yields which ultimately is the name of the game. This could look like overwintering with cover crops like lupins and mustard seeds where you then chop them up just before spring and put them back into your soil. Again, I've spoken about this a few times. It's one of my favourite things to do in my garden is naturally bringing that organic matter back into my soil and at the same time boosting nutrients and all the good positive organisms and promoting that healthy soil. Number three, gosh, this is probably my favourite colour thing to do. So is planting autumn bulbs such as tulips, daffodils and crocuses. Now the reasons for this planting autumn bulbs provides early spring colour and cheer as they are some of the first plants to bloom after winter. Again, like I said, this has to be one of my favourite times of year. It's always such a treat to see what comes up because they, especially if you stagger plant and you've got different ages of the bulbs, you get the flowering at the different times. Now, bulbs do actually require very little maintenance once planted, making them a great option for those who want a beautiful garden without a lot of upkeep. They can look a little bit messy though as they die down, but the vegetative state normally decays relatively quickly and again, it puts that nutrients back into the soil. Well, in this case, the nutrients goes back into the bulb and then, you know, the better that process the more healthier the bulbs so it actually pays not to cut that decaying vegetation away from your bulbs and just letting them suck up all the goodness naturally 
Planting autumn bulbs is a cost-effective way to add colour and interest to your garden as bulbs multiply over time and require the minimal replanting. You can plant according to colour themes or even for scent. I love planting the freesias because not only are they colourful, but they also do really well as a cut flower. Many autumn bulbs are attracted to pollinators such as bees and butterflies, helping to support these important species in your garden. Big fan of the early flowering bulbs. They attract and feed my bees, for sure, absolutely, and especially when my veggie garden is just starting to ramp up. So it is a great way of encouraging those pollinators coming into your environment and doing their thing and providing an early food source. Autumn bulbs can provide years of beauty and enjoyment as they are hardy and can survive harsh winter conditions. They reproduce themselves so there's no need to keep buying more and especially if the soil conditions are right, you will have an abundance of flowers. Don't they say, um, you know, sound just absolutely divine? Now, Number four, oof, this is a goodie. Divide and transplant perennials to ensure the continued growth. And the reasons for this are dividing and transplanting perennials allow for the roots to spread out and grow more freely, which can lead to healthier plants. This also gives you a close-up of what is going on in your soil. Again, for example, finding mealybug in the roots or potential rots. Again, you have an opportunity to tackle the issues. Over time, perennials can become overcrowded, which can lead to stunted growth and decreased flowering. Again, by dividing and transplanting, you can help prevent this issue. Overcrowding also leads to potential vegetative rots and increased insect activity. And by dividing and transplanting, it can help rejuvenate older perennials and ex- you know, extend their lifespan. Strawberries are a great example of transplanting their runners to give them more space. And the more space, the greater crop. And the greater the crop, the more goodies I'm getting into my daughter who then goes and pinches the strawberry and I think I've got a bird problem or a snail problem or something because my strawberries disappear before I can find them. It turns out I have a little thief in the garden. She has two legs and two hands and a large appetite for strawberries. Again, keep an eye on them because they do go walkies. So instead of buying new plants every year, by dividing and transplanting them, it can help you propagate your existing plants and save money in the long run. Definitely on the strawberries, they're really super expensive. So I'm not made of money. And if I can save on any gardening costs, I'm all for it. Dividing and transplanting perennials allow you to rearrange your garden and create new designs, layouts, which can add variety and interest to your landscape. Again, I've got quite a small garden. So I quite literally manage a number of my areas by, again, Yes, dividing and transplanting, but it may lead to having, and it does lead to some being left over. So I give them to friends and family, or I pop them up and utilize them as Christmas or birthday gifts, which is something I've done, oh my goodness, for a long time now. Pardon me. Number five. Okay, being an arborist, this is something that I've done, well, goodness me, since, I don't know, 16 It's been a few many years, but that's to prune trees and shrubs to remove dead or damaged branches. And for the reasons for this is pruning eliminates dead branches, encourages new growth, leading to a healthier, more vigorous plant. This is very much a standard practice, especially if you're in a confined space like an urban area. No good letting the fruit trees take over and annoy the neighbours. Removing diseased or damaged branches prevents the spread of disease to other plants 
sorry, parts of the plant. Reducing the risk of infection. This is particularly important with stone fruit trees like the golden peach, which is very susceptible to leaf curl. Remove, cut material, remove, you know, remove the material that's diseased or damaged or dead and dispose of it appropriately because you don't want that stuff to spread around your garden. And pruning can improve the shape and appearance of trees and shrubs, making them more aesthetically pleasing. This is also known as formal pruning, and it is often done in areas where the trees are pruned for height and they are shaped at the same time. Now, this one is super important. Dead or damaged branches are a safety hazard and they can cause injury to people or damage property. Pruning eliminates these risks. I have seen some fairly horrific tree limb failures during my arboriculture days that would make anyone squirm. I'll be honest with you, some stormy days I will not drive on our state highways here in New Zealand, rather I work from home, I know way too much about the trees and the lack of pruning and the lack of funding that's available to do the necessary work. So I could get in trouble for that comment but it is, as you are well aware, Lots of vegetation in New Zealand, very little funding these days. We do what, you know, I know the arborists on the networks do the best that they absolutely can to make it safe. But just, again, keep an eye on your surroundings. As always, a health and safety warning. I'm a big fan. Pruning fruit trees, for example, can yield, you know, by increase the yield of fruit by removing dead and unproductive branches, allowing the tree to focus its energy on producing more fruit. This is just common sense. Research what the best type of pruning per species is. That way you're less likely to muck it up. So good things, trees normally recover really well. Number six, harvest any remaining vegetables and herbs before the first frost. And the reasons for this are frost damage can kill plants kill or damage them especially those that are not frost tolerant harvesting the vegetables and herbs before the first frost can prevent prevent this damage and ensure a successful harvest it's incredible what one light frost can do to my basils every year i get caught out and every year i end up with soggy rotten basil leaves in my defense i do like to garden messy Harvesting the vegetables and herbs before the first frost can increase the yield as the plants will continue to produce until they are harvested. A great sample of example of this is the kale. It already actually improves its flavour with a frost over it. Vegetables and herbs that, herbs that are harvested before the first frost tend to have better flavour than those that have been damaged by the cold weather. It pays to understand your growing environment and plant accordingly. It isn't worth wasting good crops due to frost damage. Removing any remaining vegetables and herbs before the first frost can help reduce the risk of disease and pest problems over winter. Again, this is normal maintenance, but it is important to do because the insects that have nowhere to hide die, and that in spring, if they're an undesirable pest, is a great thing. The lower the bad insect population, the better. Harvesting any remaining vegetables and herbs before the first frost also prepares the garden for winter, making it easy to clean up and get ready for the next growing season. General maintenance in your garden in autumn will absolutely benefit you 
in spring with the lesser amount of garden prep required in spring when it's already so much work to do that time of year. Number seven, cover delicate plants with frost blankets or mulch to protect them from the cold and the reason for this is frost blankets or mulch act as insulators, trapping heat and preventing it from escaping from the plant, keeping it warm and protected in the cold. This is especially important when you have tropical species in your garden. They help maintain a more consistent temperature, reducing the risk of sudden temperature drops that can damage delicate plants. You can always use things like cold frames to control the environment a bit more. Some cold frames are actually made to the individual plant, especially if they're valuable enough. So if you've got a thousand dollar tropical plant specimen and you know it can't handle temperatures below, say, 10 degrees at night, then sometimes being you know, spending the money and putting a cold frame around or something that you can clip in place fast enough, especially if you know there's a frost coming and protecting that potential asset, then it is worth doing the research and spending the money and creating it for that particular specimen. Frost blankets or mulch can also protect plants from harsh winds that can dry out the soil and damage leaves and the stems. Sometimes the wind can be really nasty and we often forget how much the vegetation gets bashed around. I mean, gosh, sometimes here in October, for example, when you get those equinox winds and things, my garden gets absolutely trashed. And the worst timing is it's often when my plum trees are in full blossom and the wind just ravages those freaking flowers and I'm end up losing a quarter of my potential plum crop. But anyway, that's wind for you. Covering plants with frost blankets or mulch can prevent frost from forming on the leaves, which can damage and kill the plant. If you don't have frost cloth, the newspaper works just as well. Using frost blankets or mulch is an easy and affordable way to protect your plants from the cold, ensuring that they stay healthy and vibrant throughout the winter months. Yes, it can take a bit of effort, but your garden will thank you for it. This is especially true in orchard situations like the kiwi fruit industry here in New Zealand, which got absolutely slammed with an early frost that did so much damage. It was completely one in like 20 year, if not longer, frost. The, some of the frost protection systems like watering around the vegetation to stop it from getting too cold. They had helicopters out, all sorts of things, covers, you name it. Some orchards did really well using those methods. Some didn't. It was such a huge, huge industry-wide financial hit to the growers that so many lessons learnt and we're already struggling so gosh it's going to be interesting seeing the outcomes and following through on that but number eight clean and store gardening tools to prevent rust and damage and the reasons for this is regular cleaning and proper storage of gardening tools helped to prevent rust and damage which in turn prolongs their lifespan Dirty gardening tools can spread pests and diseases from plant to plant, but cleaning them with disinfectant can help to prevent this. Or scrub with hot water and don't forget to give them a light coat of oil to keep them rust free. Investing, like I've mentioned before, in quality gardening tools can be expensive, so taking care of them help you save money in the long run by avoiding the need to replace them frequently. 
Rusty or damaged tools can be dangerous to use, but cleaning and storing them properly can help to ensure their safe use. And well-maintained tools can help you perform gardening tasks more efficiently and effectively, leading to better results in your garden. Now, for a more in-depth discussion about garden tools, check out episode two, which covered the seven key garden tools to manage any garden. Like you know, I'm a big fan of maintaining and looking after your gardening tools, especially having been an arborist. I always made sure my chainsaws were clean, my silky saws were clean, because there's nothing worse than transferring potential diseases to other people's plants and trees and taking having to take the responsibility for the damage that my lack of care if I didn't look after them, my gear properly could have caused other people's plants. What you do in your own garden sometimes is your own thing, but good, clean management of your tools is just so important. Number nine, this one is a bit of a cheeky one. Drain and store hoses to prevent freezing and damage. And the reasons for this is... When water freezes inside a hose, it expands and can cause the hose to crack or burst. This can lead to costly repairs or even replacement. And if a hose is left attached to the tap, water can freeze inside that tap and pipes, causing damage and leaks, which isn't ideal when it impacts your house taps, for example, because plumbers are expensive. If water is left in the hose during freezing temperatures, it can also waste water by leaking out of the cracked or burst hose. If you're in an area where you have to pay for water or if you're in an area where water is scarce, then every bit of water conservation counts. Properly storing your hose can help keep it in a good condition for longer, saving you money by not having to replace it as often. This includes keeping it out of the sun for UV damage. I know there's tags on it that says you know, treated for UV and all this glam and glamour and ways to sell. But ultimately, if you look after your things and keep it covered and out of sunlight and just a little bit of good general garden maintenance, then ultimately you will be rewarded for that by the longevity of the hose and they're not going to bung out on you when you actually need to use them. I, over the years, I have to confess the amount of times where I've gone to plug a hose in and I'm watering myself instead of my garden because there's so many holes and cracks and leaks and crap in my hose that I've had to go and, you know, <laughs> put new connectors in or a good old faithful, make sure it's dry, you know, dried out and the old duct tape fix, which does work for a period of time until you start noticing that a meter of your hose is covered in duct tape because you're too budged to go and get a new hose. I digress. Number 10. This has to be the most important of all. So if you've gone off in a little wonder and doing something else, come back to me and listen to this, these points because this is what's going to give you success over a long period of time. Take note of any changes or improvements to make next year's gardens even better and the reasons for these are Taking note of changes or improvements in your garden will help you remember what worked and what didn't so you can make adjustments accordingly. By keeping a record of your garden's progress, you're able to see how it has evolved over time and track your successes. 
This will help knowing what changes or improvements you want to make for next year's guns that will allow you to plan ahead and start prepping early and by taking note of what worked and what didn't you'll be able to avoid repeating mistakes and save time and money on unnecessary purchases and more importantly having a better garden can increase your enjoyment of spending time in it and taking note of changes or improvements will help ensure that your garden continues to bring you joy year after year after year right I'm going to get off my high horse and just give you a quick recap of those 10 things. So number one, clean up your garden beds and remove any dead plants or debris. Number two, prepare soil for next season by adding compost or other organic matter. Number three, plant autumn bulbs such as tulips, daffodils and crocuses. Lots of good reasons for that. Number four, divide and transplant perennials to ensure their continued growth. Number five, prune trees and shrubs to remove dead or damaged branches. I must add a little note in there. Some things you want to wait a little bit longer and actually prune in the beginning of winter because there's less sap flow. I know my roses, for example, I tend to wait with the pruning for those closer to winter when they're fully leaf dropped and I know there's no sap movement in those plants so that I'm not actually spreading any sort of more diseases so again pay attention to the time of year and do a little bit of research to see what's fit for purpose. Number six harvest any remaining vegetables and herbs before the first frost. Number seven cover delicate plants with frost blankets or mulch or utilize cold frames, that sort of thing. Number eight, clean and store gardening tools to prevent rust and damage. Again, improving the longevity and spending a little bit of money on tools, especially if you want quality and you can't afford to waste money on crappy, crappy tools. Definitely one to, well, look at and maintain. Number nine, Drain and store hoses to prevent freezing and damage. Again, good gardening maintenance. And number 10, the most important, I think, is taking note of any changes or improvements to make next year's gardening even better. So I hope that this was helpful and you got something out of it. Please don't forget to leave a positive rating and review. It would really help a girl out. Thanks again for listening today. Have an amazingly abundant week. Gardening can happen in any space, any place, on any budget. Buzz you all later. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I would love to hear about your gardening adventures. Flick me a DM on Instagram at The Messed Up Gardener or send me an email and let's connect. Don't forget to check out my gardening reels on TikTok. If you are looking for some help planning your next garden project or just need some one-on-one private coaching, reach out and let's get growing. If you have a garden-related business or you're looking at starting a gardening business, including arboriculture, land clearing, firewood or a general plant growing and selling business, let's work together in my one-on-one private business development coaching container. Having helped my clients grow several six-figure plus businesses, including from startup to working on million-dollar open space management contracts for many years now. Let me help you and let's grow your business so you can leapfrog your profits and establish a viable and sustainable business. 
If you're looking for a business podcast, check out my The Let's Biz You Up podcast available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If this episode was at all helpful, please share with others and let's get growing in any space, in any place and on any budget. Till next time, happy gardening and buzz you later.